Welcome to Talk About It, the podcast for HOSM's PCN Primary Care Mental Health Team. PCN stands for Primary Care Network. The HOSM's Primary Care Network consists of Honiton Surgery, Sid Valley Practice and Colbridge Medical Centre. The three practices as a PCN are extremely excited to be launching a brand new primary care mental health team here in East Devon, serving the patients of Honiton, Sidmouth and Ottery St Mary. I'm Abby, one of the mental health and wellbeing coaches for the mental health team and host of Talk About It, the official podcast for the PCN mental health team. For our first few episodes, we will be meeting individuals who are part of the PCN mental health team or have been involved in developing the service, exploring their experiences in mental health and introducing the service in more detail. Today's guest is Sean Corbett, practice manager of Honiton Surgery and manager of the new mental health team. Sean has vast experience within mental health and wellbeing services and will be talking to us today about the development of the new service and much more. So I hope you enjoy. Hi Sean, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here and yeah, quite excited to see where it goes. Yeah, thank you for being our first ever guest on Think About It, the podcast. I really appreciate you joining me today. Uh, Can we just start off? Can you tell uh, myself and the listeners a little bit about yourself and your career and your background? So I grew up back in Africa, a place called Zimbabwe. And yeah, so went to school there, was in the army there. When when I came out of the army, I realised quite a few of my friends had um, got into trouble with, with drugs and alcohol because of the changing nature of the country and that sort of thing. So I decided I wanted to, to do something about that. So I eventually ended up going to America to um, train in drugs and alcohol treatment, um, came back to Zimbabwe and set up my own treatment centre in my home. And I did that for a while and then circumstances were such where I had to leave the country. Um, so then I came back to England and started training the, in the English model of drug treatment. And so I ended up with a 15-year process of working with drug and alcohol treatment, whether that be residential, harm minimization, abstinence, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, then did a degree and um, had my own business for a while, working with, with NHS and a lot of sort of large charitable organizations in management development and, and that sort of thing. And then eventually, you know, found myself with working with, with GP practices. And when I got into practices, I realized how many people were, were suffering with um, low level mental health and, and how many ended up on, on lots of drugs and diazepams and that sort of thing. And, you know, just realized there's such a, there's, there wasn't a great service for um, people entering with GP practices and that sort of thing. So hence was the birth of primary care mental health team. Whistle stop tour to, uh, to your life. Yeah. And, and how long have you worked within your current role as the practice manager of Honiton Surgery? So at Honiton it's been three years now, just mm-hmm. over three years. And it's only since January we've been able to sort of with the, the um, primary care network money and working with Ottery and, and Sidmouth, have we been able to develop, start developing a proper primary care mental health team? Brilliant. And are you able to sort of explain a little bit more on what a, a PCN or primary care network is and the one that you, you work in? 
Yeah, sure. So it's quite exciting, really. It's, it's a real game changer, I think, for NHS and primary care in particular. Our, our primary care network is um, Coleridge, who are in Ottery St. Mary, and Sid Valley, who are in, who are in Sidmouth. And, and, and we've, uh, for the sort of last eight, nine months, we've been working together, getting to know each other. And, and the whole process is about um, getting an equitable service for all of our patients in the area because we are quite rural so it's quite tricky um, to get to get the right services in the right places for, for patients and um, when we muted the whole mental health process with them or, or idea with them they very much in, embraced it and have supported us very very strongly in developing the team yeah so here we are so and and a lot of the other processes are about gaining scale so that again we can start developing back office services that again improve our service to the patients and are there any other um staff members that work in the sort of across the primary care network as well as the mental health team we have a mental health team so there's six of you in there um, we have a pharmacy team who work with care homes as well and We've got a well-being team that are, that are employed by the RDE. They're also part of the, the PCN. We've also got MSK physiotherapists. Um, we've presently got three now that, that we'll, we're working with. Um, so yeah, it's expanded the workforce hugely and gave, yeah. given us flexibility to work across the whole patch of, of Ottery, Honiton, and Sidmouth. And um, yeah, it's working really well. And you know. Of course, we've got a lot of development to do yet. You know, a lot of it is piloting different ways of working and there's tweaks to be made, I'm sure, over time. But it's all exciting. And I think I think the patient is already beginning to, to benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. It's being one of the PCN employees myself, it is definitely exciting and dynamic and new way of working. So it's it's a really exciting way of, of going forward, I think. Um, and sort of going sort of pre um, the new mental health team being in, what was sort of the day to day um, experiences of mental health that you would see in your role within the surgery as practice manager or your main concerns, issues or the things that popped out the most within mental health? Um, yeah, so it's interesting because up to now, even well, for most practices, even now, um, all of the mental health issues go straight through to a GP. You know, generally the GP has 10 minutes consultation with that, that person, probably arranges a follow-up. And again, it's another 10 minutes. So they end up not really being able to give a lot of time to the patient. And, and often the patients will deteriorate over time. And then we've got to then refer into CAMS or, or other mental health services um, secondary care services in, in the community, you know, and often they might end up in crisis. So we have quite a large number of people with low level anxiety, depression. And I think with COVID, that's, that's only going to increase. Yeah. So for us, it was very important to start thinking outside of just, you know, GP having 10 minutes a time mm. with, with these patients. That's not a good service, is it? You know, although it's all that nationally we, we, we've had for decades. So, so that really has driven the whole concept of developing a primary care mental health team, which is a positive mental health. It's not about negative yes. mental health. 
it's really about positive it's a positive move and you know mental health is what it is health mm. and and um what we want to try and do is, is demedicalize it so it's not just to a gp who, who has limited time which frustrates them you know the amount of conversations i've had with gps where they're frustrated where they don't have the time to engage with the patient whereas now we do you know with, with the mental health team it's you know as you know it's a, it's a six-month pilot so that's sort of the the key sort of things that were coming out there i guess were yeah needing more time and sort of a different approach to working with patients like you said that demedicalizing of it so are they sort of the key things that started the the main development of the the mental health team most definitely yeah yeah and the amount of people that have been on 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 um, antidepressants or or even Mm. things like you know very addictive anxiety medication for years and years and years and, and and they're not being able to shift and not being able to move forward in their lives you know because very much where I come from is, you know, de- people development, you know, whether yeah. that's in-house in, in, in an organization or individually, you know, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, you know, we want them to be well, you know, we yeah. want them to enjoy life. We want them to have life where they're not having to suffer anxiety and depression all the time. Who are some of the sort of key players, services or individuals that have been part of, of developing the mental health team? Because this sort of stemmed from from your brain uh, almost didn't it really your sort of ideas and evolving and seeing um these issues within primary care and sure. um how how did it go from sort of that initial idea and concept in in your brain and who've been some of the people that have been part of developing it well the first conversations i had were, were was, was with my own gps and, mm. and and they were very keen to 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 see something different because you know every day at least a quarter of their their appointments per day are mental health related. The other part is um, we've got a key um, lead GP here called Jenny Button, and she and I very much um, felt that it was an important um, development to start thinking about. And and again, she was also concerned about the amount of people on on drugs without you know proper reviews or proper support over time and then you know developing that thought was about you know the patient gets fed up with having five assessments you know every time they refer yeah. to somebody they get another assessment and they ask the same questions again and again and we invited um, DPT Devon Partnership Trust who, who run all of the secondary care mental health the acute mental health and we invited them and started talking to them about working together, working as a partnership, um, working, I think partnership being the key word, because what we want is a continuity of service. Then we also invited um, people who have lived experience with mental health. We invited a couple of those who are attached to RD&E. Um, we, we invited the RD&E and we invited community services, Honiton, Sidmouth and, and um, Ottery, to come and co-create with us, start thinking about what do we want a good primary care mental health service to look like. So we spent some really good time and we've got that externally facilitated so that nobody was taking over. And, and, and you know, so again, it was truly a, truly a co-creation process. It's exciting. I mean, it's just taking off, isn't it? Yeah, I love um, one of the sayings I think you've been saying quite a lot throughout this whole sort of development 
time with the team is and working with other services and organizations and community groups is um we are extensions of each other yeah which really sits sort of as as we work as a team and are um inviting other people to sort of talk about the service and how it's going to look i think that really encompasses our sort of ethos of how we want this to work across um across the pcn across the community um across uh, working with clinical staff um non-clinical staff patients uh, i think it really encompasses it which is really exciting sort of looking at the the mental health team at the moment and sort of oh goodness thinking of dates so we started seeing patients or starting the pilot mid-january and we're mid-april now so we've been about two months into the pilot two months three months can't three do months. maths today three months what do you believe are some sort of the the main benefits of the mental health team so far and and going forward i think uh, communication in two areas i think with the gps mm-hmm. and we're we're becoming more and more media focused aren't we in, in yeah. terms of social media focus and i think that's a key area and also um, communication and engagement with the patients. So, so those are the key, key areas is time, giving time to patients and actually time to, to GPs to discuss if that's required um, with the patient. And, I, you know, I don't know, what feedback have you had directly from, from GPs in terms of their patients? Um, I think... One that stands out for me was actually from the nurses. Um, yeah. Had a patient referral from the nurse, and it's a patient that, for long-term conditions, still has to come in fairly regularly. But they've seen a, a complete difference in um, his mood, outlook on life, and is now able to be more positive and is getting continual support, which is taking pressure off off themselves. Um, so that was a really, really positive piece of feedback. Um, and another one from the GPs is that. There is, they're able to say there's a service that's going to be able to see them quickly and give that time. Um, again, mm. that time is really important. I think it was um, Dr. Jenny Button actually who said it's, um, we're able to give patients time that the GPs just aren't able to do within those, those 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question now, which um, we, I know we joke about because I usually ask you to um, stop talking about this um because you like talking about the long term and when we've been going through the development we've had some i, I want to know the short term first <laughs> so i i'm going to ask you what are some of the long-term goals for the mental health team slash mental health team service yeah the big hairy goal f- for me is to have um a central um assessment and triage team um, and we're already in, in, in conversation with um, other PCNs in East Devon. So um, where we, we have mental health teams embedded in the different PCNs, but separate to that is this, is this central um, assessment and triage team. So all calls that come through around mental health come to that team. Um, that kicks off that uh, six weeks of engagement um, and then sometimes I can go into 12 or even longer if, if they need that sort of confidence development side, you know. So that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. So, so it won't go through to the GP first. It'll go through to this team first and, and then gets distributed. And, but, you know, if they need a GP, they will be sent straight through to the GP. You know, it's, it's like we're not excluding the GP process because they're an important part 
of, of that medical support, but we're trying to demedicalize um, mental health and, and make it more about the whole being. So, yeah, so that's the vision. That's a big, yeah. but um, yeah, I do understand that, you know, the pilot is, is important part. This, this period now is very important. So t- talking of, of the pilot, what are sort of the, the short-term goals of the mental health service with regards to, to the pilot? The short-term, we're, we're going to do a review in six months um, as to whether we can shift people's mood and, and get them into the places where they need. Because, you know, we're not just going to dump people. We're not dumping, are we? We're, mm. we're referring people um, into services um, that are appropriate for their need rather than, you know, and that takes a bit of time sometimes. Sometimes the patient doesn't know what they need at the beginning and what they want. But then, you know, three, three sessions, four sessions in, they, you know, the light bulb turns on. They go, oh, that's what I need. And then we can get them keyed in um, to the right service um, to support them, whether that's working, you know, in a social enterprise, on a farm, um, or joining a group, you know, we, we're developing groups of the care coordinators want to develop some groups. We've already developed a walking group. Um, they want to develop some, some other groups and anxiety groups. Um, you coaches are working with the nurses in terms of diabetes and improving people's um, compliance with, with good diet and, and um, exercise and stuff with, with diabetes. So it's, you know, it's connecting all parts of health along with um, the community and, and mental health and their families. It's, it can be quite hard to put it in sentences sometimes, can't it? Because it's, it's such, like you said, that big audacious goal and then condensing it into the, the day-to-day intricacies of it because there's so much, I think, as a team we're developing and doing like with the different roles. So the mental health practitioner, three coaches and, and two care coordinators working um, individually as a team crossovering of yeah. the services within the team it's um it's exciting that there's so much being developed and, and going on yeah absolutely yeah so I've got a few questions um about sort of mental health in general as as well um because obviously your your background you've sort of seen it in many different ways and different settings um so what are some of the the methods techniques or activities that you have seen uh, to be successful in improving individuals' mental health? I think listening mm. is, is, is the key. And, and it's not only just, you know, it's, it's, act, it's that active listening that society is too busy to do. And, and, it, and also without judgment, I think, you know, that listening without judgment and going, okay, that's where you are. Where do you want to get to? How do we get there? You know, it's, it's, it sounds simple, but it is, it's tough. And, you know, you know, when we say, you know, we want you to go outside, you know, for, for, for most people, that's easy. But we need to listen to those that can't because they, it's not just that they can't. We need to listen what stops them being able to do that, whether that's their, their thinking or their belief systems or, or their trauma or, or whatever it is. And, and it's just about listening to that, understanding it. And if they believe that you understand it, then they'll make changes. They'll start making changes. Actually, one of the big pieces of feedback we've had from, from individuals that have had the health coaching sessions so far is yeah. that um, I think as a society, people, we, we don't listen anymore. And 
in sort of day-to-day conversations, people can be more focused on what they're about to say next rather than what the person they're speaking to is actually saying. And some of the feedback we've had is that the sessions we're providing are a space where individuals feel like they are being really listened to and having that space to to be heard yeah no absolutely absolutely and then and that's a big part of that and then once once that is established and over time it it, it allows you the practitioner to be able to then challenge when they're resisting mm. and they you know because fear is a big part of that as well isn't it the fear of the unknown or the fear of you know and and it's about changing that mindset you know, and, and it's sort of it's almost like that old statement is fear the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> but yeah. you've got to be brave, you've got to develop that bra- bra- bravery. You know, you've got to develop that and you need support to develop that if you've spent you know years isolated or, or, or whatever. You know, and, and also when people are coming, you know, people saying, okay, I'm not going to take my antidepressants anymore, there is um an understanding and, and, a, and an education of the, the side effects of that is you're going to feel depressed mm. because your body is beginning, is saying, I'm not getting what I'm used to getting anymore. And so there is a withdrawal process for any kind of drugs and, and stuff. So again, supporting and educating that patient, then that's, but that doesn't mean that you will be depressed always going forward without those pills because you want to come off them because you want to so we're going to support you doing that but again they've got to understand what what happens yeah definitely and sort of going on from that then what what do you think are some of the biggest challenges um you've seen when individuals want to improve their mental health one of the big things when people start coming off their antidepressants or whatever their emotions are are heightened Mm. because part of the, 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 the effect of SRIs or, or antidepressants is to deaden that, 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 that feeling. So um, one of the challenges is, is that, you know, is, is, is that they will go through emotional periods and, and to understand that, you know, and, and one of the key things is also making sure we've got the right service for the right patient. I think we've had an experience, isn't it, where someone, we, they were right for our service for a while, but, the process triggered something for them and then they needed secondary care service. And so we were able to, to, to facilitate that a lot better than if it was just um, going through a GP and, 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 and that sort of thing. We were able to manage that person whilst they were waiting for the, for the referral and, and, and that sort of thing and, and their care and their loved ones, you know. So I, I think the biggest challenge is you don't know what's coming around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's being triggered. You don't know what, what's being hidden. And, and even the patient sometimes doesn't know. So again, that's why that clinical supervision from DPT is so vital to us. And, you know, the way we work anyway as a team, isn't it? We, we, we discuss every patient almost, don't we? You know, yeah. Peer support is really to, important. Yeah. Again, we care enough often children haven't had parents who have cared enough to discuss them in the way that we do, you know, the way we, mm. we talk about, you know, what's best for them, how can we support them, you know, and we don't have the answer. So we go and look for the answer elsewhere. 
you know, with DPT or, or whatever. And sometimes there isn't an answer. And we're honest with the patient. So there isn't an answer right now, you know, and, and work that way and just go, you know, but we can hold you until we get, until, until we, we can find the answer. And if there isn't one, then, then we're both in the same boat, aren't we? But yeah, definitely. And, and sort of how have you seen over the past 12 months um, in mental health, uh, change due to the impact of, of COVID-19 do you think? That's a hard question to answer I don't know that I know that um, mm. because it didn't behave in the way we expected it to behave people haven't behaved in the way we expected them to behave things went quieter rather than and there was less engagement and I don't know the reason you know I'm sure there's be a study at some point where there was but I'm thinking that actually it's going to be post-COVID when everything does go back to normal that's when people are going to start struggling because there's a sort of comfort, I guess, in knowing mm. that nobody, everybody else is having to suffer what, you know, that sort of isolation or, or you know, cooped up. It's more comfortable. You're not being challenged. You're not being, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's mm. a tough one. For some people's, um, if it's social like anxiety, for instance, that somebody experiences some individuals that I've spoken to where it's almost gotten better during lockdown, like you said, because you're not being challenged with those social situations. Yeah. Whereas for some people who are maybe more extroverted and social, they've struggled more because they're not able to get that, that social experience. So yeah, I guess, like you said, we won't know fully until, until we're out of lockdown, but um, it, it definitely impacts people differently. And um, to sort of end the, the conversation, I've got a, a few quick fire questions, if that's OK, just so we can get to know you a little bit more. I've called it what is nice and uh, simple. So basically, yeah. it's just a quick fire couple of questions. So what is your favourite food? Oh, um, I love steak. I grew nice. up in Africa and, you know, steak was a staple diet, big T-bone. What is your go to form of self-care? I play guitar. And I run. Running is my, my main my area. And then if I really want to chill down and just de-stress a little bit, then I'll play guitar as well. Nice. And what's the best thing that's happened to you this month? It's a no-brainer. I'm, um, Scotland has opened up as of the 26th. Oh, yeah. I brought her to Edinburgh, so I'm going to go and see her on the 26th. So that's the best thing that's happened to me this month. And then what's a challenging thing that's happened this month? Vaccines. The continuing... Mm. <laughs> continued and it's not for me I, you know I've got an amazing team of people that are working on, on the whole vaccines and actually it doesn't impact me as much as it impacts them um, but it's challenging all the time because it's just the volume of people we've got to contact and we don't know when the vaccines are going to turn up and then we get two days notice that we're getting vaccines and then we're scrambling around trying to get book people in and what's something you cannot currently do but would like to learn I've always wanted to learn the language, but I'm rubbish. I try. <laughs> I feel like you've either got that brain for it or you don't. Yeah, exactly. I like to learn the blues, actually, properly. Oh. Learn to play the blues on my guitar. I'm self-taught, so I've not, I've not um, developed as probably most guitarists have. Wow, maybe we'll set some goals. You can set some goals oh. with some of the coaches, and then in I a year's coach. time you'll be doing <laughs> some blues concerts with us. <laughs> Right. Um, and then what is your ideal day off i'm going for a walk in beautiful east devon you know whether that's walking the cliffs or walking the along the river otter yeah even funny dunk as well <laughs> <laughs> has some microclimate i believe 
but yeah yeah it's just yeah i love doing that on my day off it's, it's great fun yeah we're very lucky to live where we are aren't we in the, the outdoor abundance that we have around us yeah absolutely and what's something that inspires you people inspire me i think you know i just just you know every day mental health team inspire me you know my staff inspire me when i see how hard they work and and um you know and, and it's not a cliche so you know every day they're working hard for the patients to get it right for the patients and, and and you know through the pandemic and every single one of us got pretty exhausted didn't we it was just hard work for a while and and and, and we're still here we're carrying on and and that inspires me the humanity of of everybody yeah i think that the team uh especially because the mental health team has spent the most time at, at honiton surgery at the moment that's where we're based during the pandemic and you really see how incredible the whole team are here and just the energy that and support that everyone gives each other is is absolutely yeah. incredible absolutely yeah and actually joe public need to see that more i think yeah definitely it's it's an infectious energy lastly what's one thing someone has taught you that has changed your life i think it's that it is that listening actually taught me how to listen again you learn so much you know even if it's just um like i said earlier today you know walking around for me uh, uh, around the practice listening to teams of people listening to how people have conversations i learned so much i learned so much just by being around well um Thank you ever so much for, for being the first guest on, on the podcast, Sean. I really appreciate it. And um, thank mm. you for sort of talking about the, the development of the mental health team and, and, no, and where no, it's all you. come from in the context. No, it's brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Thank you once again, Sean, for joining us on the very first episode of the podcast. In future podcasts, we'll, we'll be talking to other members of the staff and the team to talk about the service, what we're offering and our approach in a little bit more detail. But for now, you can find out more about the mental health team by going onto each surgery's website or following their Facebook pages. And you can also follow us on Instagram at HOSMS, which is H-O-S-M-S underscore mental health team for information on the service events we're putting on and tips for looking after your own mental health but until next time we'll see you later have a good day